Hello, and welcome to the Pain Podcast, a podcast in which I sit down with people from all different walks of life to discuss their family members' lives and their relationship with them. Today, I will be sitting down with my grandmother, Patty Rogers, to learn about the life of her brother, Harry Foley, who died in World War II. My grandmother will be assisted in some of her answers by my father, John Payne. My grandmother grew up with Harry until he was enlisted into the war and is 90 years old today. I'm very excited to speak with her and learn more about the life of Harry Foley and of her relationship with him in her young age. My grandma has experienced many things in her 90 years on this earth, but the period of losing her brother Harry to war was one of the most difficult for her. Harry was five years older than my grandmother, but she was still very close with him. My grandmother grew up in a somewhat poor family because her father passed away when she was only two years old. Two years later, her brother Billy lost a battle with cancer and died when he was only seven. Following the death of her father, Harry took a role on as a father figure, and he and my grandmother formed a special bond. Harry was not yet in high school at the time, so it put a great weight on his shoulders to help take care of his family at a very young age. Because of these circumstances, my mother thought of very highly of him. When was Harry born? 18-year-olds today are graduating high school and thinking about the next step in their lives, whether this be college, trade school, or working to support their family. This was not the case in 1943 for Harry Foley. When Harry was 18, he had just graduated high school, like me, 
but his patch was much different. Just three months after graduation, Harry was drafted to fight in World War II. He was not only one he was not the only one drafted into the war, and according to the hands that might save them, he was one of ten million men drafted into the military from nineteen forty to nineteen forty five. When Harry left for war, he left my grandmother, his mother, and his girlfriend behind. My grandmother was only 13 years old when Harry left for war, and this was a very difficult time for my grandmother, especially because as a 13-year-old, she didn't really have a perspective for what war really was and what it meant. And do you remember sending him off to war, and uh, did you do anything before you sent him off? Like, you know, I had no recollection recollection of what war was. Um, I think I was too young. And I, <clears throat> sending him off to war sounds horrible, and I don't think I had any idea that we were doing that. So then, uh, you, not, sorry, go ahead. You know, you, did, you knew about, you heard the news, everybody had the radio on all during dinner or any meal, and everybody listened to the radio during those days about the news, and that was pretty common, but... I think being young, I probably didn't pay much attention to it because it was news. I wanted to listen to the music or something else, you know. But, <clears throat> so I don't think I knew that at all. I was just proud, very proud of him, you know, going off. And he looked so handsome in his uniform and all that. I remember when he came home after the, to visit the first time. You're probably shielded from it a little bit from your mom. Yeah, I don't think, yeah, they didn't, I don't remember whether they did or not. I was probably so busy playing that I, I don't know that I, I just didn't think about bad things. I had no idea, kids don't have any idea, I mean, they're just so positive and so, even when bad things happen, I don't. Unless you, they would actually see him, you don't see any of that. You read it or hear it on the radio, but you don't see. There's no TV, so you don't see pictures. Um, <clears throat> so I think that's maybe one reason you don't realize. You do see movies. When you go to the movies, you would see in the uh, short subjects. They would show things then, and then you would get a glimpse of the war and what it was like. But other than that, you didn't really see it. It's amazing how different it is without TV. And now you know everything that goes on before it goes on. And did uh, Harry send you letters while at home while he was at war? Yes. What did, what did he write about in the letters? Oh, he wrote about um, the plane itself and uh, the people commanders and, the, and some of his crew and uh, the school and I th he enjoyed all of it and thought he was really learning a lot and I, I think he was very happy with it and very proud <coughs> and I know he even uh, talked about his um, father him. What was his name? The priest? Oh, D. Ted. 
was his chaplain. Chaplain, that's the word I was trying to think of. Yes, uh, he was very, uh, I think, encouraging and helpful. And um, he send them off to war um, when they would get on the plane, go off, fly off. Uh, he would give them all a blessing, and he talked about that in his letters and things like that. <coughs> I remember he would also ask when he'd write his, his mom, he would ask his mom to check on his girlfriend. And uh, we did that. Uh, he was close with this one girl when he left, and uh, she was became very close to us during this time. After reviewing letters that Harry sent home and documents regarding his military education, I learned that Harry was an excellent student and learner. He began his basic boot camp and combat training in New Mexico at Williams Army Airfield, which according to InMilitary.com was one of two dedicated bombardier training wings in the United States. Bombardier training was 12 weeks long following 14 weeks of basic combat training. This training time was cut in half because of Pearl Harbor and the immediate need for soldiers on the ground and in the air internationally. After Harry had completed all this training as a bombardier, he received the rank of second lieutenant and was deployed to Saipan, which is in the Marianas Islands in the Pacific Ocean. And what kind of plane was Harry to remember of? May 29th. According to B-29 Super Fortress, the B-29 was one of the largest and most technologically advanced planes of its time. There were 11 crew members including a pilot, co-pilot, bombardier, flight engineer, navigator, radio operator, radar observer, right gunner, left gunner, central fire control, and tail gunner. B-29 planes were a major investment in production, in which the United States produced close to 4,000 of this type, costing just over $3 billion. This bomber was built for destruction, with its four remotely controlled turrets and ability to carry bombs for a 3,000-mile round-trip bombing mission. This brings us to Harry's final mission. He had been in the military for under two years, in which he had been on several bombing missions. The crew treated the mission like any other. They woke up like any other day, received final mission instructions, and a blessing from Father Tag. 
Then, Harry and his crew loaded the ship and set off with the fleet of planes to bomb a naval aircraft plant near Yokosuka, Japan. shot down but it was a much better story when the guy wrote it to so they uh, they made it to their destination and uh, they dropped their bombs and then uh, they were uh, shot at by Japanese uh, aircraft at uh, 18,000 feet, and um, the number three and number four engines uh, were lost, and um, during this time, they, another aircraft from their formation came to their aid and uh, was able to drive away the uh, Japanese aircraft and um, but they, uh, their plane continued to lose altitude and uh, they eventually uh, lost uh, the wing um, and uh, the plane they parachuted. And then uh, how many crew members survived and how many died? They... Four. And the, I also did this... Um... So four crew members were able to parachute out and that was witnessed by yeah. uh, the aircraft that had come to their aid. Come to their aid, yes. And then uh, the plane crashed into a mountainous, an uninhabited uh, mountainous region uh, in Japan. And they saw, the, some, the guy in the other plane uh, saw so many parachutes and... Right, you saw four parachutes. Mm-hmm. What was the date that Harry went missing? Missing an action date. Oh, no. So that was May 5th, 1945. Right. Okay. What and happened after he parachuted from the plane? They were captured. Right. And, uh, so. Uh, there was a time period, though, that they were like walking around in the woods. I think it seemed to me like I had right. that. The, the records indicate that. Probably four or five days after the plane after. crashed, mm-hmm. that he was um, captured. Mm-hmm. Until he was captured, yeah. yeah. And then, they, then, he, then he was put in prison. How did he die? Executed, but I don't know what that means exactly. I guess there's more than one way to do that, I suppose. But I would assume. I don't know. Right. I don't know the number. We know he's executed then. And when did he die? Well, 
took three years to identify and recover Harry's remains, and when they were recovered, they were sent back to the United States, and he was buried in his hometown of Troy, Kansas, in 1949. According to PacificRex.com, 19% of U.S. casualties were reported missing in action, representing 78,750 personnel. This was a very difficult time for my grandmother and her family because they had received news of their son and sibling dying months before, and now they had to go through the grieving process again, as if he had died for a second time. I'm honored to be related to Harry Foley, and he and all those who lost their lives in World War II will forever be a hero in my heart and in the hearts of a million Americans.